0: Hey, what's going on, everyone? Thank you so much for joining us for this Piedmont Church podcast where we exist to lead people to love God, love people, and invest in His kingdom. My name is Chris Barbie, and today we have a special bonus episode. Uh, Mr. Brad Marchman is going to come talk to us, and we're going to have a conversation about evangelism, what it is, how we can do it better, and even more. I hope you'll stay tuned, and it's going to be an amazing conversation. Let's do it. Hey Brad, what's going on man, how are you? Hey Chris, doing great man, glad to be here. Yeah man, I appreciate you so much. Uh, So we're gonna talk about some fun things uh, today. you know, you are the evangelism consultant for the Georgia Baptist Mission Board in the kind of central Georgia, middle Georgia, I guess it's called east region, is that right? Really the whole
1: central area of Georgia now. Okay. I'm taking it on the east and west central. So. <laughs> yeah,
0: so when I lived in Atlanta uh and I got the call to come down to Macon and I, I heard the term middle Georgia or central Georgia, I was like, what? What is? what is that? Because when you grow up in Atlanta... Everything south of Atlanta
1: is just South Georgia. That's right. Country. I think mo- that's what most people outside of Georgia think about Georgia, too. <laughs> so
0: upon moving to Macon, I learned all these different towns and others. Oh, Middle Georgia, there's an East region, a West region. And I'm like, nah, we're just all South Georgia, right? Maybe. I don't <laughs> <That's> know. <right. laughs> so, uh, well, man, hey, I appreciate you coming on with us today. So we're going to be talking about evangelism. And I feel like, in some ways, that's a loaded term. Uh, there's probably some folks out there going, "What is this five-dollar word?" Uh, but I think we want to talk about like, why is it important? How, and and for those of you that do know what evangelism is, you might be going, "Next podcast, hold off," uh, because I think we're going to talk about today about how we can make it less scary and yeah. uh, some of the kind of nuances uh, of what it is. And so. Uh, Brad, I'd like to just jump in and ask you some questions. Are you ready? Yeah, man. Ready to go. All right. So to give kind of our listeners a little bit of context and a little bit of kind of who you are, can you tell us like your story and then maybe kind of what
1: led you to being an evangelism consultant? Yeah, it's a great story. Not real exciting. (laughs) Uh, I didn't have the I don't have the testimony of. Drugs, alcohol, doing all the terrible things, and then being radically saved, and oh, my life was never the same. Oh, man. I grew up from the time, even before I was born, my parents had me in church, and so I grew up in church and actually got saved at a very early age. It's a really great story. Of course, I knew the story of the gospel, knew about Jesus, all those things growing up, but when I was very young, about four and a half years old, probably, I was coming home from kindergarten one day, my mom was sharing with me about the gospel and sin and why I needed to be saved and Jesus was the one who could save me. And I remember kneeling down in the floorboard of her car on the way home and praying and, and inviting Jesus into my heart. And since then, I really have been a sharer of the gospel. I remember the first time I ever shared was in the first grade with a guy named Tim Jackson. Wow. And of course, I didn't have the major outline, but I was just <laughs> telling him about Jesus. And he was a friend of mine and wanted him to be saved. And so from there, I began to really have a heart for evangelism. I remember a couple of turning points. You know, I was as I grew up, I kind of just was doing church just like sure. a lot of us do. and. Gotten to my teenage years and still just kind of doing church. And my parents, I think, recognized that. And so they moved churches and got hooked up with a guy at Mabel White, Denny Brinkman, who was my youth pastor. And Denny took a lot of time. And that's when my journey with the lord really took off and yeah. i began to see him do some incredible things i got into cwt which for those of you who are non-southern baptist that's continuous witnessing training it's really the baptist ripping off ee e. from the presbyterians <laughs> but anyway it's the same thing so uh, i did that and we would go out every week and share our faith and learn how to share the gospel so that was another stepping stone and then probably The thing that really put me over the top when I was in seminary, I was an evangelism intern out at First Baptist Euless out in Texas. Okay. And they did EE. So we got into EE, and I just, man, the passion for doing it just really ramped up. And it really fed into my first ministry job, which was I was an evangelism and missions pastor at First Baptist Church in West Monroe, where Duck Dynasty is now. and All those guys, if you're familiar with that. They were not famous when I was out there, (laughs) but. uh, And so it's just been building over time, and uh, God has really used a lot of those instances to get my heart uh, continuing to stay focused. And so when this job came up, it was not that I was looking for it. I was pastoring, doing my thing, Um, but this job came up, and the the guy, Levi, sent me the job description, and as I looked at the job description, I was just checking out, yes, 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 Mm. that was me, Mm. because that's what I had been doing. That was my heart, and so it's really worked out to be a perfect spot for me and i'm really thankful to be here and be a part of this to help pastors and churches uh, understand evangelism how to do it how to be more effective because we know it's hard i mean we don't do it so (laughs) it's hard and so how can we spur others on to try to be better and to do more of
0: it yeah i was meeting with a group of guys last night and uh we were talking about evangelism and everybody around the table was like yeah we know we need to do it. we just we just don't. <laughs> you know, I was like, I, I, okay, so how do we get us to doing it? And so there was some interesting things you mentioned in there. You know, as Christians, we have our own little uh, lingo, that's that's right. kind of our own little culture. Yeah. And so maybe you're listening, you're new to the faith, or you're not so familiar with some. you know, he's saying CWT and EEE and Three Circles and all these other things. And we're talking about this idea of evangelism. And so, Brad, I just I would love for you to just kind of flesh out really quickly for where uh maybe maybe the the new believer or maybe the person who's been going to church you know their whole life but just doesn't really understand what that word means what exactly is
1: evangelism like when we yeah. say
0: hey let's go evangelize yeah
1: what does that mean evangelism at the very root of evangelism and really the greek word in yeah. the bible for evangelism just not the greek it means good news that's right that's going right. deep here yeah. but it just means good news yeah. we're sharing good news when you find out that uh, something good happened in your life what do you want to do you want to mm. go tell somebody that's when right. your football team wins the game what do you want to do i want to go tell somebody because it's good news well what we have in the gospel is good news it's the story about how god stepped out of heaven in jesus was born lived a perfect life died on the cross for our sins paid our penalty paid our debt and allowed us to have a relationship with god forgiveness of sins and so it's really just good news it's the greatest thing that's happened to a believer is the fact that i was saved from my sin it's something that i couldn't do on my own and so jesus made a way for us and so he changed our life. And so the good news is because of this great gift I've been given, I want to give it to somebody else. And I've heard it said like this, you know, evangelism isn't about me thinking how great I am better than you because you're not saved or you're not. But it's, it's one beggar who found bread trying to tell another beggar where to find bread. Mm. And that's a great thought when you think about evangelism. It's just I've been changed by the power of God and what he's done for me in salvation. And so now I want to tell other people about it. And I want to give them my story. And that's where it comes in that anybody can do evangelism. You don't have to have all the fancy CWTs, EEs, Three Circles, all those things. Those are great tools, but you don't have to have all that. If you have a story, mm. you can tell somebody about Jesus. And that's, that's why I know it's true that any believer, any follower of Jesus, has the opportunity to be an evangelist, a yeah. share of good news, because you've got the story in your heart and in your life. Yeah,
0: I think that's great, you know, you brought up that point of you know we, we almost we share things that we're kind of excited about, right? oh yeah, when 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 the braves you know win last Freddy. night. Ready?: That's right. <laughs> I'm getting text messages. From friends like, yeah, go Braves, Bravos, blah, 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 blah. We're sharing it on Instagram. You know, when, right. when Georgia wins a big game, when, you know, who you're, your Florida State guys, they just won this past weekend, Two right? Row, I mean, baby. pulled it out, baby. <laughs> when that happens, like, people are stoked. They want to tell about when, when When somebody walks into the grocery store and there's buy one, get one free ice cream, you're texting, like, your mom, like, hey, mom, there's buy one, get That's one. There's right. BOGO right now, right? That's right. And uh, that sense of excitement is in areas of our life, but somewhere, somehow, us Christians, people who we recognize we're born again, like we see the gift of God, but somehow we lose that excitement. And and it doesn't translate for some reason into just telling our friends. And I think there's an aspect leads us to our next kind of question of, because it's scary. Maybe there's, I mean, I think there's a whole slew of of reasons, but I think at one point you told me that um, most people predict that inside the church, only about 5% of people, will ever lead someone to Christ or will ever attempt to lead someone to Christ, I think. Um, So how do we make evangelism less scary? Like if if you're, you're, I don't do it, right? Let's say, let's pretend, pretend everyone, by the way, uh, (laughs) that I don't share my faith. (laughs) You guys faster? (laughs) How how can, because I'm scared for whatever reason, how how, how, how can you help me to understand that it doesn't have to be scary? Yeah.
1: Well, there's a lot of reasons, I think, that people don't share their faith. Yeah. I think fear is one of those reasons. I think people have gotten over the joy of their salvation mm. in a lot of ways. I go to church. I go through the motions of going to church because, as a Christian, that's what I'm supposed to do. But there's really no passion and excitement in my ongoing walk with the Lord. When you talk to people about their testimony, a lot of times they'll go back 20, 30 years to when they prayed that prayer but there's no testimony since then. Ooh, yeah. I think your testimony should be last week. This is what the Lord did for that's me. Right. And this is what in an ongoing relationship, that's what happens. And so if I'm walking in that ongoing relationship, I'm going to be more apt to share about what Jesus is doing in my life. But a lot of people, uh, we've kind of lost sight of that. We've forgotten that, you know, a lot of the best evangelists, evangelism people, you know, are people who've come out of a radical background of salvation, like they were in the pits of despair, worst of the worst, they got radically saved and they're fired up because they realize and remember how much that they've been forgiven from. And so even as a child, when I got saved, you know, one of my goals has always been to be an example to the people who've been saved for a long time mm. in evangelism, to want to still be excited, to want to still be passionate about the Lord, even if you've been saved 30, 40, 50 years ago, so that that excitement bleeds over into all, everything you do, the people you talk to. So we lose uh, sight of our salvation. I think fear is a huge deal. They're worried about what people might think worried about what people might say i'm worried that my friend if i share christ with them won't be my friend anymore they'll push me away they're worried that they don't know enough i'm not smart enough Mm. i don't know enough bible i had not been to seminary that kind of thing and what the enemy does he uses that against us you see what the enemy want, does not want to happen more than anything else is he doesn't want God's people sharing their faith with other people. Yeah, that's right. Uh, he says, well, maybe you're saved and maybe I don't have you anymore, but I sure don't want you <laughs> going into my pot and trying to get people out of my pot. And so there's a lot of things I think the enemy could care less that we do. Yeah. If we just gather and come to church and have a few songs and listen to preaching and go home, he, he's not really bothered by that. Yeah. But when we get excited about the Lord and when the Lord is working in our life and then we begin to step out in faith, because it does take a faith step, mm-hmm. to step out in faith and begin to do this scary thing of sharing my faith with somebody else, then he's going to rise up. And we talked about ants the other day when I was here, automatic negative thoughts. Mm. When you begin to think about sharing your faith, the enemy begins to put those ants in your mind. I can't do it. I'm not like so-and-so. I'm scared. I'm afraid. Whatever it might be to keep us from doing it. And so how do I overcome those things? Well, one, I've got to deal with those negative thoughts. I've got to take control of my mind. You know, the Bible says take every thought captive Mm. according to what Jesus says. And so according to the Word of God, I've got to take those thoughts captive. To say I'm not good enough, well, is that true? Is that true that I'm not good enough? Well, according to the Word of God, I've been transformed. I've been made new. So, yeah, I'm good enough, not maybe in my own strength, but in what Jesus has done for me, and so I'm going to walk in that. Am I not smart enough? Well, is that true? Of course not, because I know the simple message of the gospel. I know what Jesus has done for me, and so if I know that, I have enough in me to tell somebody else about Jesus Christ. And another part of that, one of the ways to get over that fear of not knowing enough is just to start sharing. Mm. Uh, I remember at Georgia Tech, I was a student there, and I had a mentor, a guy that was a couple years older than me, and he would go out on campus and just do surveys and ask people with the intention of sharing the gospel. And so we'd start with a little survey, and then we'd ask the question, do you mind if we share with you what the Bible says? And you can imagine some of the responses we got on the campus of Georgia Tech. It was lots of crazy thought out there. And so that was one of the best ways I grew in my gospel sharing is because we'd run across questions people would ask you. And I, I was always, I was like, mm, I don't know. <laughs> but... I'll get back to you if you'll let me. And so I would have to go and find out. So it made me better at a witness because I was doing it. And so the first thing I would say for somebody that's scared is, one, I've got to put aside those negative thoughts. I've got to believe that, yes, God saved me, but God didn't just save me for me. He saved me to be a witness to the people around me. Yeah, amen. That I have a real responsibility. It's not just, well, maybe I should or maybe I could or maybe if I get to a certain point I will no it's your responsibility if you're a christian today and you have people in your life which we all do that don't know the lord those people are my responsibility to be a light for them to share the gospel with them and so i've got to be very intentional about that and so i've got to put aside those negative thoughts i've got to embrace this calling that yes i have a part to play in the salvation experience and then i need to begin to Pray about the people in my life, those lost people, because that will begin to help me have more of a heart for them, and then i've got to figure out how I can learn to do it if I don't know how to do it, all of us, if you don't know how to do something right now and it's very important to you, what do you do? Well many times we go to YouTube now, but <laughs> <laughs> you know what well, in many ways, and youtube's great, but there's things that we want to do and we don't know how to do, so we go find out how to do it. That's we right. find somebody that is doing it, or we look up a book and read about how to do it, or like I said, we go on YouTube and we watch the video and they show us how to do it, but we figure it out. And as a Christian, there shouldn't be anything more important for us than to figure out, how can I share the gospel? And another thing that's important too is to be with other people that want to have a heart to do that. You know, that's, that's a great way of encouragement is to say, you know what? I want to go with you, maybe, and you know, even as a pastor, if I know I'm going to share Christ with somebody that I've met or whatnot, take somebody with me, let them see the process, let them see how it goes, let them understand it's not really that hard. Mm-hmm. We're not we're not sharing rocket science here. Yeah. We're sharing the gospel. The gospel is a simple message of good news, and so I want to do all those things to alleviate some of that fear, because if I can ever get somebody in that moment of them being a part of a conversation like that they realize one that it's not that hard but secondly they realize wow
0: this Mm. is incredible
1: and if i can ever get somebody in the moment and they see somebody actually come to faith in christ in that moment it changes their life it does i had a guy in my church and he went with another guy to share christ with a a couple and that couple got saved and i'm telling you it 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 changed him Mm. I've never seen anything like that. I have never, (laughs) and really, it's true. And I use the analogy a lot about uh, having a baby. Me and both of you, me and you, have children, and so we have had that experience of being in that waiting room, seeing that baby born, and it's the greatest thing you've ever experienced. It's like, wow, this Mm. is a miracle. I can't believe it. Now, if you've not had a child or you've not been in that moment, I can tell you about having a baby, and you can Mm. say, "Oh, that's so nice." And you, (laughs) it's nice and it's good. What's the same way with Christians? If I tell you I led somebody to faith in Christ, you can be excited to an extent of, well, that was nice. You know, that's something we should do. But when you get in there and you're there when the baby's born, when somebody is born again, it's radically different and it changes you because you think, man, I want to be a part of this more. And so guys that are scared, folks that are struggling – They do need mentors. They do need encouragers. They need people taking them along. They need people to do it with them. It's sort of that, you know, you teach them, Mm. then you show them, and then they begin to take it on. That whole mindset and model is huge when it comes to evangelism. Uh, Accountability is huge because, as I said, the enemy is doing everything he can to keep us from that. And, And one of his number one tools is just distraction. I get so busy and I forget that there's people around me that are lost that I'm responsible for. So uh, that's what I would say to somebody who's scared. Get in a group, you know, find people that can encourage you uh, or even just one person that you can be accountable to. And y'all walk that journey together. And grow in that. Yeah, I love a couple
0: of things you said. Think about that that testimony, that person who's been saved for 30 years, and you, hey, share your testimony with me, and they immediately go back 30 years. That's right. What if you walked up to that same person, and if they were happen to be married, well, hey, how's, how's your marriage going? Are they going to go back? Well, you know, 30 years ago, <laughs> yeah. I proposed, and here's how. They're not yeah. going to tell you that, right? right? They're going to tell you what's happening recently. Man, we've been mm-hmm. doing really great. We just did this thing. We're going on our anniversary for That's this, right. right? They're telling you about the things that are recently happening, so there's an aspect to evangelism. It's just like, just tell people what God's doing in your life. That's right. Uh, and I think for some of us, especially those who find ourselves in the Southeast making, we're, we're around quote unquote Christians all the time, right? Yeah. I think there's there's a certain uh, percentage of people when I talk to you about doing evangelism, they're going, I just don't know that many lost people. And I go, okay, all right. So we'll pretend that that's true. I don't <laughs> right. know that it's true, but we'll pretend it's true. I think in a climate like ours, where there are so many quote unquote Christians, Facebook static status Christians, right. cultural Christians, cultural Christians. Um, and I think the one thing that sets our life apart as Christ followers, to those people around us who maybe are on the fringe is evangelism. Mm-hmm. It's not just did you are you not watching that show, or are you, you know, abstaining from this thing or that thing or watching your language or whatever? Because I think to a degree in cultural Christianity, those morals and ethics have kind mm-hmm. of found their way into the fabric of our lives. That's right. And so it's almost expected in some of those things. But when we start talking about what God's doing in our life and start talking about the gospel, yeah. that's the thing that makes you a weirdo. Everybody says, whoa. Yeah, yeah. right. That's the thing that's that right. makes you a good weirdo, right? Yeah. A, a, a evangelical Christian, the one that's who's right. like, this is, as you spoke at our church recently, the normal Christian. Yeah. Like, that's what we should be in a
1: normal sphere in our life, so I I love that. And just taking it one step further, Chris, I would say that should be the driving force of our life. Mm. I mean, we should wake up as a Christian and think as I go to work, whatever my job is, whatever I'm doing to make money or whatever I'm doing, because I love it, it doesn't matter, but I should go into that situation with the thought that, hey, who could I share Christ with? Who's in my circle this today that possibly I can share Christ with? That should be at the driving force to get us out of bed everyone what i want to do what you want me to do and what the lord wants you to do is to share the good news with other people that's right
0: yeah i think there was a what was the evangelist was it dwight moody that shared the gospel like every day for like 30 yeah. years or something like that yeah uh that's
1: i mean i not, not saying we all got to be that but. well i tell people in my training i say listen i'm not saying you're going to share the gospel with somebody every day but as a believer you should think about it every yeah. day and look for those opportunities, and, and possibly you could get an opportunity yeah. every day if we really got serious about it, but but let's start slow. Let's just yeah, start. let's get you know, one. We do have to get let's all get the way one. down there, but let's just start
0: somewhere. Yeah, uh, so speaking of that one, I, I know if you've ever shared the gospel with anybody or you have some evangelism stories, you, you definitely have the peaks and the valleys, right? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I would love to ask you, what's one of the craziest stories? Because I think there's an aspect when people talk start talking about sharing the faith that they – immediately go to those ants, the negatives, like, yeah, somebody's going to hurt me. I'm going to get shot. (laughs) Something crazy is going to happen. Yeah. Uh, That's never happened to me. I've shared the gospel several times uh, to people I don't know, people I do know, family members. But what's one of the craziest stories uh, uh, of evangelism
1: with you? Well, speaking to that first, I mean, I've shared gone into places that are not good places many times and knocked on doors. We've been in apartment complexes that aren't necessarily ones that you would want to— be in and knocked on doors and the worst that's ever happened in those situations is uh got the door slammed in my face that's right yeah you know, that was about it so all, that was as bad shunts. as it got after yeah. all that uh sharing on the campus of georgia tech there were some really strange things you heard about yeah. the cosmic and the universe and all these different thoughts and beliefs people have probably one of the funniest though i i was sharing with this girl at georgia tech and she had been in my class and we had kind of been talking not necessarily romantically but just Talking and so I sat her down one day because I wanted to share the gospel with her, mm-hmm. and I told her, I said, "I just want you to know that I love you." And I think I probably shouldn't have started with that <laughs> because I think it began to get some thoughts in there that were not really where I was going for. And so all of a sudden, when I go from that to let me tell you about Jesus yeah, and you about the love, love of Jesus and Jesus. <laughs> She got really weirded out, I think, and so she's looking at me like, uh, this is weird. And I'm thinking, yeah, this is weird. I was getting that weird feeling back and forth. So that was probably kind of the strangest one because it just got mixed signals all up in there. And like I said, if going back, I probably would have started somewhere differently than (laughs) I love you. I meant as love as love. Jesus loves you, that kind of thing. but. Didn't quite come across that way, so then she's wondering if I'm going to ask her out for a date or if I'm going to, what am I going to do? And so it just got off to a bad start. Probably, though, when you think about craziest, and this is more along the lines of just the Holy Spirit working. There was a guy, and I'm still good friends with him today, but I just knew him peripherally around. Mm -hmm. seen him at the ballpark at Western, seen him at different places. His wife, I think, maybe had visited my church a couple of days. He never had, but his wife had. And somehow the Lord just put him on my heart, said, I I want you to share Christ with this guy. And I'm like, okay, Lord, well, how are you going to do that? I don't see him. I don't talk to him. And so a couple of things that went on for a little while. And one day, one night, one evening, I just had it impressed on my heart so deeply that I needed to go share with this guy. And I didn't know how or what, but I just felt that urge. And so I'm driving to the church from my house. And when you drive into the church from my house, there was a little pizza place on the right as I'm going to the church. And so as I pull by this pizza place, I look over there and I see him through the glass window in the pizza place. Him and his wife and his son, I think, are sitting there. And so I drive on by, but then it's like the Lord said, you need to go talk to him. Mm. So I turn the car around. I go, I pull into the pizza place, nice. walk into the pizza place. Him and his wife and his son are just sitting there. And I said, hey, I said, I just want you to know that God has put you on my heart. And I just would love to sit down with you and talk one day if that would be all right. <laughs> he doesn't hardly know me. I mean, yeah, he knows me a yeah. little bit, but he doesn't know me. For, he's thinking, probably thinking this is the craziest thing. But miraculously, he says, all right. Let's go to lunch. Wow. And so I think it was the next week we went to lunch. I shared the gospel with him. He got saved, uh, became a part of our church, and is just doing great. But it was just an amazing story of God's provision. You know, I, I don't agree with everything that John Wimber ever did. But he was part of the Vineyard Movement <laughs> yeah. and all that stuff, yeah. the founder of that. But he wrote a book called Power Evangelism. Mm. And he talked about, it, and some of it you might say, well, oh, it's a little hokey. And, yeah. and maybe some of it was. But The point that I took from that is that we've got to be listening to the Spirit's voice to be able to be effective in evangelism. Mm. Uh, I can't tell you how many times it's just like the Spirit took hold and said, hey, I want you to talk to this person. Mm. And obviously in those times, there's always still that rub of am I going to do it or not do it? Because sometimes it's kind of crazy. And so if we'll do it, though, we'll see God do some amazing things really the the most exciting life that a christian can leave is one that's being spirit directed because when you're truly following the spirit of god he's going to lead you to situations of sharing the good news with others it's yeah. just, there's no doubt about it you know jesus said follow me i'll make you fishers of mm-hmm. men if we're following Him truly you're going to be out there fishing for men mm. with the gospel the good news and if you're not you need to check am i really following yeah. I might be a good guy. I might be doing some good things, but am I really following Jesus if I'm not sharing my faith? And that's so right. I want to be about that. And so the Holy Spirit is a huge part of that. And I think that's where people miss out too, because we're not in tune. We're not being filled with the Spirit. We're scared of the Holy Spirit. Oh, mm. you know, I don't want to be jumping over tables <laughs> or something like that. But we've abused that so much that we stay away from. It. But really the Spirit is what empowers us to live our life he guides us he Mm -hmm. leads us and he directs us in evangelism and so if i'm listening he's going to open doors if i'm praying intently for people to be saved he's going to open doors and i've got to be ready to go through and
0: he's the one that's convicting them it's not it's not how
1: great we were you know none of those things you don't save anybody that's right chris is not is smart enough to save anybody i'm not smart enough to save anybody I don't have it within me to be able to say, all I'm supposed to do is be the messenger. That's right. The Spirit of that's God that's right. works in their heart to save them. And so that takes the pressure off of us. That's yeah. another reason we shouldn't be scared. That's right. Listen, I'm going to share it. Yeah. And my phrase, like, just give God a chance. Uh-huh. If I throw it out there, then God takes it yeah. and he uses it. But if I keep my mouth shut, I'm answering for God. Oh, God, you can't do this. You <laughs> yeah. can't save this person. Right. I'm just going to be quiet.
0: So. One of the things I love
1: about the pizza story,
0: uh, for the for the listener, uh, when a pastor walks up to somebody, even though this guy wasn't at your church, and member, none of those kind of things, but he kind of knew you as you know Pastor yeah. Brad, right? Yeah. When the pastor walks up to somebody and says, "Hey, man, the Lord's laid me on your heart," that's that's like a principal office moment, right? <laughs> that's right. Uh-oh. And what would <laughs> yeah. what would be to me is like if the quote unquote average Christian, not trying to say pastors aren't average. We are, there's nothing special about us. You know, God just called us and put us in a specific place and position. But if, if just the normal person that went to our church got up and, you know, had the same type spirit led calling and walked up to somebody that maybe a friend of theirs in a pizza place. Hey, God leads my God laid you on my heart. Imagine what could have happened in the guy's heart then. Like, Mm. I mean, that's, I think sometimes p- people think pastors like have this like special thing and it's That's like true. really actually if I'm in a party and somebody asks me, Hey, what do you do for a living? And I say, pastor, they shut it down, right? Like, the <laughs> co- yeah, the conversation's over yeah. all the words that they said beforehand. They're like, Oh man, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to drop that early. And I'm like, I mean, it, it's, it's okay. Like you're they, good. They get real uncomfortable <laughs> yeah. real quick. Yeah. But if, if we can just embrace our calling as Christians, like I think it's huge. Yeah. Awesome. All right. So next question. Uh, this, I, I learned this recently, I think, from you, maybe through a Barna study. Uh, 47% of Christian millennials, so that's people who call themselves Christ follower mm-hmm. and then fall into that generational millennial place in life. So 47% of Christian millennials believe that we shouldn't share our faith. Why, why do you think that I, I, I fall, actually, in that millennial, I'm right there on the cusp uh, of, of Come on, you're hanging on, you're hanging on. <laughs> uh, of that. So why? why okay, you,
1: boomers, the kids like that's <laughs> right.
0: So why do you think that is? And then what can we do to like lovingly push those around us? Because I think we have a, a decent number of, of millennials and maybe even some Gen Z folks that are kind of listening to this. Yeah,
1: I think it's really uh, tragic that uh, that stat is what's come out. Barna does a lot of research studies, and that was something that he found. Like I said, it goes beyond not doing it. We've, mm. been, we've been good at that for a long time. That's right. But now when you get to the point of saying we shouldn't do it, mm. that's where it gets really scary because then you're saying, it's none of my business what's going on with that person. And I think part of the reasoning from that is because since these guys have been growing up, ever since they've been growing up, you've had this attitude in our culture of, well, everything's good, everything's right. Your way's fine, mm. my way's fine. You can choose any path you want, but don't, one, don't say mine's wrong. Oh, yeah. And two, every path's going to end up at the same place. Mm. So you've got this idea that, well, they've heard all their life, that there's nothing special about Christianity. There's nothing special about that over, say, Buddhism or Islam or any of the other religions, world religions that are out there, or even no religion yeah. even this idea of i don't believe anything or you know agnostic atheist whatever and so they've been pushed mm. really by the culture squeezed by the culture that you can't push your beliefs on somebody else it's not right to do that in fact it's it's wrong it's yeah. bad to do that so leave me alone if you want to believe what you want to believe fine i believe what i believe you believe what you believe but don't try to don't try to change me. Yeah. And so that's been what they've heard their whole life.
0: Yeah, the whole your truth. It's your yeah, truth. Yeah, your My truth. truth. That's yeah. right. Yeah. That's
1: right. And so I'm not going to criticize you. You don't criticize me. Mm. And so because they've heard that their whole life, it's really become ingrained in their life. And another thing, in addition to hearing that from the world 24-7, the church has not done a good job about explaining the importance of the gospel, the uh, supremacy of Christ, why Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through him, why Jesus is the only way. And we've done a poor job of helping them to really uh, let that take root in their life. And so the culture has kind of guided their thought process and guided their belief system. And so I think that's the why of it, you know, why it's like that is just because they're, and and I really think it's going to get worse in the sense that as people who believe Jesus is the only way will probably eventually become the most persecuted group, especially in America. I mean, they're already persecuted around the world, but yeah. even in America to a certain degree because there's going to be so much pressure to be an all-in person, mm-hmm. everybody. You know, hey, you you can believe about that if you want to, but don't try to tell me. And, and there's going to be increasing pressure to have that. Uh, any way, any road is okay as long as you're as long as you're sincere about it, be sincere, so I think that's the why why that has happened, but I think the answer to how can we help uh, change that is to really get back to the word of God you know I think uh, we try to get cute sometimes we try to get fancy, but really, I think what uh, younger folks and even the groups behind uh, the millennials now that are coming along, I think they want to hear sincere authentic truth from god's word that mm-hmm. this is the the gospel is the power of god into salvation you know that's where the gospel the message is in the in, in the powers in the message of the gospel and what the spirit of god can do and so we need to help them begin to train and say okay listen guys we need to understand why this is true why is evangelism important well because the bible teaches us that jesus came for all people he came to die for their sins and without christ we're going to be separated from god for all of eternity and so we want to help them to understand this is important this is huge and then we want them to see how to do it in a loving way how to do it in a compassionate way because another thing that goes into that is they've seen examples because this is what the media highlights a lot of times of christianity gone wrong you might say where Mm. you know people are abusing other people and they're yelling and they're telling them how much god hates them and all this stuff and the media loves to feast on that and so we need a genuine representation of what it means to be a christ follower and then the difference that christ makes in our life and that the fact that in christ he is the only one you know every other religion is about us working our way to God? What do I need to do to work my way to God? Well, Christianity is about God stepping out of heaven, coming to us and making a way for us to know him. And so there are stark differences between Christianity and every other world religion, every other belief system. We need to highlight those for the younger group and say, guys, this is why we're Christ followers. This is why we believe what we believe. But this then, not only to understand the theological part of that, but then the practicology of that where Mm. we're living it out in a way that's not abusive in a way that's not running people over but in a way that's loving people loving the people who are against us loving the people who don't believe the way we do loving the people who are at odds with us that maybe are trying to abuse us and Mm. trying to persecute us but we have to respond in love and so if i respond in love if they see that then they're going to see the power of God begin yeah. to work, and it's yeah. going to begin to take root in their life. And so I've got to help them. You know, I've got to, I've got to one, model that for them. Uh, they've got to see that in my life. How do I treat people that don't believe the way I do? How do I treat people that believe opposite from the way I do? Uh, and, and really, you can get into how do I treat the homosexual, and how do mm. I treat the people that uh, we know that this is what God's Word says, and so we know that this is not right, but yet— I'm still called to love and still called to reach out with the gospel. Because how is somebody who doesn't know Christ, how is somebody that's living in opposition to God going to come to know Christ unless me as a Christ follower reaches out to them and loves them and shows them Christ's love and yeah. displays that? And and that's really an area that's going to be a huge challenge for the church going forward. We've got to figure something out because right. we don't do a good job at that. Yeah. We really don't. And so I think millennials see that too. And then that kind of affirms what the world's been telling them. Yeah. You know, because, well, you know, my church, they were a bunch of jerks, you know what I mean? <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, I see that. But if we really show Christ and show the love of Christ and live that out day in and day out, and we're effectively sharing the gospel and we see life change happen— life change is a huge so prescription, Yeah, you know? uh, man, if there what, to what else you, to what else the church, new birth mm. is a huge cure for all the things that we complain about in church. If I begin to see people being saved and new life coming into the church, a lot of those things that get in the way and that are peripheral things that we argue and fuss and fight about, they fall to the side yeah. because we're on mission. Mm. We're on mission. And so as we're on mission, we want to be effective in seeing others come to Christ.
0: Yeah. Uh, there, there was a, uh, an interesting quote that I, that I heard, um, talking about the things that don't matter fade away when we're, when our hearts are kind of centered. And it's actually a book you and I read together called canoeing the mountain. Yes, sir. Uh, and and Todd, the the author, Todd Bolsinger says, people must be engaged in meaningful work together if they are to transcend individual concerns and develop new capacities and so when our hearts are focused on the big mission the gospel Mm. as opposed to man I love this song I like that carpet how's the building look you know how comfortable am I I think it's huge Um, I think one of the things that you mentioned um, and when I think about Christian Mills pops out to me is they don't want to be we don't want to be I should say offensive right right? we don't want to come off as offensive and I think Um, when I look back, I th- I think the way some of that was modeled because there may have been some Christians that were offensive. Oh yeah, and the, the, <laughs> no the, doubt the hard part in that is that we need to recognize as true Christ followers what the Bible says. The Bible says that the gospel is offensive. Yeah, right. Like it, it's folly to those who don't yes. take it as truth. And so, uh, and, and it's not offensive in that it, it it's trying trying to offend. But what it's doing is it's, it's breaking down your worldviews. It's, it's making you really look into the mirror to see that you as a human being are yeah. broken and dead. That's right. right. And you can't do anything without yeah. Jesus. And that's offensive.
1: It's a hard message right? to hear. Because yeah.
0: you're selfish. You're a terrible right. person. No matter if you think you're a good yeah. person or not, you're not yeah and that's offensive and so what we need to do is as the church like you said is we need to learn how to deliver this offensive message in a non-offensive way in love right but we got to understand that the the package that we're holding right man it's it's offensive it's It's a a, great offense it's right it's something that i love to embrace because the more i embrace it the better picture i see of god that's right uh but i got to learn that Hey, not yeah. everyone's in a place where I can just walk in and say, you know, you're a sinner going to hell. That's right. You know, right. <laughs> Do you know yeah. that, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and, and
1: that's that's a huge part of that, because I think, you know, going back to I can't remember who said this, but uh, we have the gospel is offensive in this message, but we shouldn't be offensive right. in how we present it. We mm-hmm. should present it with love. And like I said, going back to the idea of, man, I'm not better than you. Yeah. I don't. Yeah, I'm just a beggar f- trying to find bread and I want to share this bread with yeah. you because I love you. And so I think that's a huge part of it is being loving but not compromising. Mm -hmm. Because I think another thing, besides the fact that they've seen Christians who've been jerks that have done it the wrong way and steamrolled people, and then like I said, the media highlights ads, oh, that's what's wrong with Christianity, (laughs) that's why Christianity's bad. But they've also seen compromise. Mm -hmm. And they've seen, well, uh, we better not talk about the blood anymore or the cross or this. And so these millennials, they've grown up in that, and then generations following them and they see the wishy-washiness of even believers and they're like, "Well, what in the world? Well, yeah. I guess this isn't a big deal then. You know, yeah. I guess this is just another among many beliefs." But mm-hmm. we've got to come back and say, "No, we're going to stand on the word. Is blood the blood offensive? Yeah, it's. Did it cost? Was it terrible? Yes, it was terrible and it cost." And and so, you know, when the passion of the Christ came out, so many people were appalled by mm-hmm. the the blood and the violence. And yeah, it was gory, but that was reality. Yes. You know, Jesus getting beat to a bloody pulp and then nailed to a terrible cross and to do that for our sins and for my sin, and your sin. And it's hard to hear mm-hmm. because, oh, I'm the reason that that's happening, you know, my sin. And like you said, the fact that you've got to come because it goes against everything that we believe growing up. Well, I'm a good person and mm-hmm. I'm OK. And and the old good old American, you can do it. And you know, you're know you the one to do it. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps, go for it. And the gospel says, no, you yeah, can't do it. Right. <laughs> you can't get there. You can't make yourself right. Yeah. You can't do all. That. And so we've got to come to that place of brokenness and it's hard for people and yeah. it, it's a hard message to hear, but it's a liberating message. That's right. You know, once I receive it and once I place my faith and trust, obviously it breaks through all the bonds and the bounds and the chains of my old life. And, I experience life with Christ, which is new life, yeah. and uh, out of the darkness. So That's right.
0: Okay, so we have talked about a lot yes, in, this, in this time together. I'm listening. I'm going with it. I'm kind of still maybe struggling with, okay, how does this, what do I do? What's my next step? And so, Brad, if, if we're sitting across from the table from each other, and I'm just looking at you going, I hear everything you say. I, I think I agree and believe yeah. with it. What am I supposed to go do now? What's my next step?
1: Here's some things I would start with. If you've done nothing, (laughs) which I'm assuming most of us are (laughs) not maybe near near or close to that point, here's what you need to start doing. First of all, you need to identify. Okay, Lord, you've placed me in this world, in my neighborhood, in my job, in my family, in my kids' ball teams, in wherever you go, where you live, where you work, where you play. Well, you need to identify out of that group and in all those associations that you have, who are the people in your life that you feel like are probably lost? Mm. Now, we can't know 100%. But, and when I mean identify, I want you to write them down mm. on a piece of paper. I want you to get you a list of people in your journal, on a piece of paper that you're going to keep with you. Because here's what's important. We can keep people at an arm's distance when we don't identify them. A lot of the prayers for lost people in church today, are oh, well, let's just pray for the lost people out there. Let's just pray. Because here's what's reality, Chris. Here's what's reality. If I don't identify people, I can kind of keep it as kind of an out there thing. Mm. And I can brace myself. Because here's the reality, folks, if you're listening out there. If we truly believe what we believe, that if somebody leaves this planet without Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, that they're going to go to an eternal place of torment called hell. Mm. And it's going to be a terrible place. separated from God. If I truly believe that, how could I look at my friend or my co-worker and my neighbor day after day, day after day, and never say anything about the gospel to them if I think they're lost? But I think what we do as Christians to keep us from going crazy and insane is that we put up little barriers and firewalls so we don't have to think about it. So, if I don't identify my friend John at work that's lost, if I can just keep it as everybody that needs to be saved, it keeps my personal responsibility at a minimum. That's right. And I can deal with the fact that, hey, maybe some people are lost and they're gonna be separated from God for all eternity. But so I wanna identify, I've gotta make a list mm-hmm. by name John, Bill, uh, Sarah, all these people I know in my life. So I start there. When I identify them then, it becomes real. All of a sudden, hey, these are people God has placed in my circles of influence. The lady at the cash register at the store that I see all the time, the same lady, and I talk to her here and there. So all those people I want to put on a list. The second thing I want to do is I want to begin to pray for them on a regular basis. And here's what I'm praying. I'm praying that they could be saved, that their hearts would be open to the gospel, that they would be able to hear the message and that when they hear the message, the spirit of God would take it and use it to see them come and be saved. So just something like that, that you're praying for these people on a regular basis. Then you want to begin to pray and God, Help me to be a part of seeing this person come to Christ. What can I do? God, show me how I can minister. So here's what I'm doing. I'm identifying the people. I've got a name. There's a face there. I'm writing it down. It's not just out there in the cosmos somewhere. This is real people, real life right here. I begin to pray for them. Now, what's going to happen when you begin to pray for salvation for these people is the Lord's going to begin to work in your heart, that he's going to begin to develop a burden for you to say, I can't sit idly by and just not do anything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm praying, but I've got to do more. And so then he's gonna begin, as he develops that burden, he's gonna weigh it heavily on your heart to be a part. So what do I need to do then? Well, God, I need to find the time to share with him. Or I need to make a point to sit down with them and talk to them and give them the good news of the gospel. Or I need to go and get a tract from the church or a pamphlet or something and go and walk through it with them. Even if I don't know how to do it, I'm going to read through a tract and show them this is the message of the gospel. Or I need to go and share my personal testimony with them of how Jesus changed. But as I'm praying intentionally and specifically for these people, God's going to begin to open these doors, too. So then I've got to decide, okay, I'm going to—am I going to begin to share— And so what I would say do is you identify, you begin to pray, and then I would say you need to get accountable to somebody in your life. You need to have a a friend, uh, uh, somebody that you can talk to and say, hey, we want to be effective in sharing our faith together because accountability goes a long way in helping us stay on plan, to stay on track. Hey, Chris, have you been praying for your people that you've identified that are lost in your life? Have mm. you have you been lifting them up? Chris, have you uh, you told me the other day the Lord really put John on your heart to share the gospel with? What's your plan to do that with John? And then you can ask the same questions back to that person. Listen, well, you've been talking about these ten people that you're praying for. Are you praying for them? What's God showing you about? But that accountability keeps me on track, and it helps me to many times. What accountability does? Well, a lot of people think bad thoughts about accountability. Oh, (laughs) I don't want to get beat over the head. But that's not really accountability. Accountability is mutual encouragement to a desired end and destination. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to encourage you. And many times what accountability will do is get you over the goal line. Yeah, It's sort of like when uh, if, if I'm setting up a time to go meet with my friend to share the gospel with them because God's led me to do that, if I share that with somebody, there's going to be a much more likely that I'm going to do that than if I just said, Okay, Lord, I know I need to do that. Because again, the enemy has an amazing power to put off, put off, put off, put off. So I know God's told me, I know God wants me to do it, but I have this amazing ability. Oh, I'll do it next week. Oh, I'll do it next week. And we never get around to it. When I finally take that step and say, Chris, I'm going to share with my friend John on Thursday and I'm going to share with him the gospel because God's put it on my heart. Can I talk to you Thursday afternoon and you asked me about how that went that's right all of a sudden it's not that Chris is abusing me or anything like that <laughs> but I know that he's going to call me on that's Thursday right. afternoon after that lunch meeting and so it's going to help me get across the goal line to do what I already know God's called me to do yeah and so to do evangelism well we need each other yeah you know we need people Asking us the hard questions. Pastors need that. Pastors need that answers to, hey, I've got guys that are holding me accountable to do the same thing because it's one of those things we should do and it should be as natural as breathing and doing the Mm -hmm. things we do, but we've made it not so. And so we've got to fundamentally change how we do things in a lot of ways. And so that means connecting. On a deeper level with other brothers and sisters really sharing and making evangelism a priority in my life that it's not it's not a add-on and it's not just for the fanatical five percent that yeah. we see out there it's for every single believer yep. every single believer and so as a believer whether i'm a brand new believer i've been a believer for 50 years every one of us is called to share the gospel mm-hmm. and so Church, The church should be about, okay, we're going to partner with you to help you to reach those people, but you've identified these people, and so we're going to partner with you to help you with that. But if I can do that, if I can start with identifying, start with praying, find me somebody I can be accountable with, you will begin to have a heart for evangelism. You'll begin to have a heart to share with others, and it'll set you on the track. To begin to get to that place of sharing with others that's
0: right and i'll take it to another level i think if you're out there listening you should be asking your pastor if they're doing it uh, yes <laughs> because uh i think too oftentimes pastors uh, i know for myself i get wrapped up into the, oh, i'm doing this i'm doing yeah. that and uh i'm trying to lead people to do these things and if i'm not doing it it doesn't mean enough to me that's right I'm, i don't have my skin in the game so Find a time, walk with your pastor, uh, and ask him, "Hey, uh, who's the? La- when's the last time you shared, you mm-hmm. know, Christ with anybody? Like, and you're not trying to like, this isn't like, hey, uh, let me see your pay stub kind of thing. Like this, this is just a no, like, gotcha moment. That's right. This, this is hopefully an encourage, and maybe you need to have a conversation with them beforehand. Going, hey, I'm trying to hold some accountability for myself. I just want to see how you do it. Can yeah. I come with you sometime? You know, I don't know, just. I, I think that it needs to be a top-down thing, and so mm. uh, we need to hold our leadership accountable. Maybe your community group leader, Definitely. you know, friend, and just and not in like a hold it over their head way, but like in a, hey, we're all supposed to do this, right? <laughs> like, and, and let's do it together. <clears throat> That's right. Uh, let's do it together. Yeah. And if you kind of light the, the the fire, maybe the whole you know fireplace will to light up, and That's your right. church will start doing it. And if our churches will begin to do this. You know, the one question no pastor's going to be asking anymore is, well, where is so-and-so? You know, everybody's talking about attendance and numbers, and there's church growth people out there, and their whole life is devoted to that. And I'm going, what if church growth was evangelism? Yeah. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, it's not about how cool your carpet is or how tight my skinny jeans are, (laughs) but but about, like, what if we started reaching some people for Christ? and uh our churches would grow
1: well and you wouldn't worry then about transfer growth you wouldn't worry about robbing sheep it it would just be there's plenty of lost people all around us and the unique thing is again and this goes even back to you know why should i do it? how should i do it but it it begins with relationship Mm -hmm. and so it's, it's we're talking about the relationships you already have but those people that you have relationships with that need to know Jesus, the, we need to be involved. We That's need right. to take, be specific and be definitive in taking the gospel to those people. Yeah, uh, Because every one of us has those people in our life. Every single one of us. And Now, you might have to work a little harder. A pastor who's around church people all the time, he might have to work a little harder. But they're there That's in the right. neighborhood, join a gym, join some kind of activity group coach a ball team, something that will get you around lost people. And as you do that, and it's sort of like, you know, one of the things with the Hoosier one, a lot of you are probably familiar with Hoosier one. It's a big deal that North American Mission Board is doing where people have to identify one person that they're going to try to pray for and share Christ with. And it's a great program, but here's what happens. When I become intentional about the gospel, uh, I may have one that I see, but it, 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 as I see the one mm. and I'm intentional about that, all of a sudden I begin to see others. That's right. And it's sort of like buying a new car. You think nobody has this car until you drive it off the lot. Then you see it everywhere you go. <laughs> oh, I didn't know there are hundreds out here just like my car. And it's the same with the lost. You know, when I begin to see the one, then I can begin to see others. And God begins to open my eyes. We become so used to not caring about it That's right. and not seeing the lost around us, not understanding their eternal condition and so we kind of rush by and we don't even let it pass over our mind but if i can so when i identify that identification makes me start thinking about it and every time i see people on that list boom something snaps in my mind that i i want to be sharing christ with them and how am i going to do that and so it's important the relational aspect of that is huge to do that yeah
0: Well, Brad, I appreciate your time uh, together today. I hope uh, listeners out there, this was uplifting to you, encouraging, gave you some tools in your tool belt uh, to go love God, love people, and invest in His kingdom. We'll talk to you later.
1: All right. Thank you, Chris.